What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Motive Podcast. This is episode number 49. And uh, I'm Shaden Burton. I'm your host. And I have a private practice here in downtown Ogden, Utah. And uh, I'm excited to get going here. I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about on this episode. And uh, I had a a simple thought of, you know, I haven't, I don't think I've shared a story about myself in a little bit of just kind of helping you get to know me a little bit more of who I am. And I had a, you know, I had a thought of sharing a little bit more about my father and uh, kind of my life with him and, and his story. So, so when I was, uh, so I think the, one of the most important things about what I want to share with you is, is with what my dad went through. Me and him had had a great relationship growing up. I don't. I often think about how, and I'm not trying to be cocky, but how spoiled he was <laughs> as a dad. Uh, he and I were were definitely two peas in a pod, and uh, there were a lot of things that he was that he was good at that I was good at, and there were a lot of things he loved to do that I loved to do. There was there were very few things that that he and I had different, and. Um, and so we just had this, you know, we had this really easy and great relationship and I loved athletics and he was super supportive and was always there. And, and, uh, and so everything in my life with him was, was really just kind of great. And, uh, and so my, I'm, so I was quarterback of my, of my high school football team and my senior year, um, my uh, we were we were playing a game. I don't I don't remember who we were playing, um, but we were playing a game. And my and I was I was getting sacked quite a bit. I was getting getting rushed quite a bit. My offensive line was really struggling to hold the defensive line, and my dad was I think just getting really frustrated. And and uh, and he stood up and he yelled I guess really loud. He was he was definitely one to he was that guy you could hear at a game. And he yelled, he yelled, somebody block, I guess, as loud as he could. And when he, and when he said the word block, he, his throat cramped up and it took him straight down to the bench. And, um, and he, he, I think knew he was in pain and, 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 and could feel it. And, and, uh, and then just kind of, you know, went on with his, with his, with the day and the night watching the game and, and, uh, well, Little did we know as kids, I have four younger sisters at the time. Um, little did we know that dad is this, that his throat really never recuperated and that he, you know, a couple of weeks had gone by and then a month had gone by and, and you could just tell that his throat wasn't getting better. And, um, and so he, the winter comes and goes and I'll, I'll never forget trying to, uh, I was in the backyard it was come springtime and baseball season's getting ready to go get going and or it already even was I think and and I love to play catch with my dad on a, on Sundays and and just go out and chat and so we were in the backyard playing catch and I mean my dad was this amazing amazing baseball player and I'm throwing the ball to him and he's like missing it and the ball would hit his glove and like fall out and I was looking at him like dad what's going on and he looks at me and starts laughing and just like, I don't know. This I don't know. I can't catch the ball. And, you know, I was young. I didn't really think a ton about it, really self-centered as well, and, and just didn't think a ton about it. But little did we know something was going on with my dad, and, and he was getting more and more concerned, and so was my mom, and, and they didn't know. 
And so fast forward just a few, a uh, couple months, I guess. It was like May, end of May. I'll never, it was the day of uh, seminary graduation for me and like three days before high school graduation. And, um, and I'm, it's a Saturday morning and I'm dead asleep and my mom comes downstairs and, and wakes me up and says, hey, Shaden, can you come upstairs? We, uh, we have something we want to talk to you about. And uh, so I came upstairs and it was me and, and Sydney and Tawny and Kaylee and, and my little sister Whitney was really little at the time and so she was asleep like she was like what she would have been two or three and uh, so she was asleep in bed and my dad was sitting there and uh, I'll definitely never forget that moment of just the feeling in the room was very it was very special it was powerful but it was also you could tell there was a lingering sadness and and so my parents sat us down and, and my dad looked at all of us and and said, I've been I've been going to a doctor, kiddos, and trying to figure out what's been going on for me. There's and he said, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but my my left hand is kind of looks a little bit weak. And what he had what he had seen is, is his left hand. He couldn't straighten his fingers and they kind of had this curve to him. And then he said, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've I've uh, I've also been having a hard time speaking you know, speaking clearly, I've, I've been slurring my speech a little bit. And we all knew that all of us kids kind of could tell. And, and then he even said, and, and you know, those a couple of times when we've been trying to have family prayer and, and your dad just kind of, I've been like, kind of, I've had a hard time to like laughing. Like he would, we would, we would get in, into a circle as, as, as a family and pray and he would like start laughing. And, um, and we, we, you know, as we would always laugh with him, like it was hilarious because he was being like the immature one but he would just laugh and, and he had a hard time stopping it. And, um, and so, uh, he, he then, you know, finally was able to say and look at us and, and tell us some news and said, I, the doctor, we finally realized that, uh, I have a disease kids and that disease is called Lou Gehrig's disease or amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. And he said, and unfortunately I, there's nothing that they can do for it and I have about two years to live. And um, I'll just never, obviously never forget that uh, that moment and my sisters were in tears and my mom was in tears, everybody was crying and, but I wasn't. I was, uh, I was in shock. I was in total shock and didn't cry. And I, I don't, I'm not one to hold back tears a ton but at that moment, I, I was just paralyzed and didn't couldn't even comprehend it. And, uh, you know, the, it's God, this experience has just taught me so much. It's just almost innumerable, innumerable the lessons that I've learned from it. And uh, if you don't know what Lou Gehrig's disease is, Lou Gehrig's disease is a, basically like an autoimmune disease where your, your body just stops working. Um, mentally you you're completely okay but your your muscles your brain your brain just stops talking to the muscles and so because you stop using them they just become um, more and more paralyzed and broken and that was my dad and over the course of a couple years that's what occurred and so it takes you to to a state where of complete paralyzation and 
you can you can blink and and that's about it usually but that's kind of the only thing you get left with a lot of the time and so it was a very difficult obviously a very difficult moment and especially with my dad being as strong as he was and just just he was a mailman and he worked hard every day you know he he delivered people's mail and he walked a lot he was active and and uh and that was it was really tough obviously and uh so one of the things that i i have learned from those moments with him and and uh was it was really cool to see how quickly my dad accepted it and it was almost like it was almost crazy how quickly he accepted it and that's it's it's one of the experiences i have in my life that's taught me the most about acceptance and how you know depression for example is depression is a battle of acceptance and when we when we're when we're depressed when we're down it's it has a lot to do with the things that we're unable to accept in our life and 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 things about us things that are happening when we when we reject them and when we resist them when we push them away and want to deny them um we become depressed and and my dad instead he he accepted it very quickly and and there were many times when people would come over to our house trying to I think they came over thinking that they would come over and cheer him up. Um it actually was the opposite where they would come over and find out that uh they came over so that Jimmy could could actually be the one to to lift them up and my dad was he was a powerful man that way. And uh so one of the things that happened after that was it, so if you if you don't know of me very well so I'm a, I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and and one thing that that is uh a powerful thing that we do within our church is we we send we send these young beautiful people on missions and it's not just like a fun little the getaway thing we do they're not we don't call them mission trips i know uh many awesome christian denominations do mission trips all the time and they go serve and do things around the world uh these are these are definitely trips but they're they're two year trips so they're they're two years away and um you don't really choose where you go and you you submit papers and to the the, the president of our church and, and there's a process that goes through to where you're given a call and and it's taken very seriously in fact we consider it a commandment for young men who hold what we who hold the priesthood and and uh, I knew that that was something that was there we leave when we're night back then it was when you were 19 years old and so now if you think about it uh so I was It was right before high school graduation. I was 18 years old, and my dad had just told me that I had two years to live. And uh, that was one of the very first things that hit me was, how much do I believe in my Savior? How much do I believe in in His church? How much do I believe that He has children on this earth that need to hear um, the gospel, that need to hear about Him, and and how important is that that I go and and preach that to the world and uh because in my mind it, I I'm definitely not a a math major but it wasn't very difficult to do the math right that if my dad has two years to live give or take a few months and my mission's going to be two years and I can't even leave for you know five months what is this going to do and am I am I willing to leave and and uh give up the last 2 years of my life of my dad's life to uh 
to serve people that I don't even know and to try to teach them of Jesus Christ. And, and so there was a night that I was, I was, uh, I was in the, I would say my own bitterness, if you will. It was, it was like September, October. And I was so just turned inside out. Um, I knew I loved baseball and I knew I had a chance to play baseball in college and I had a girlfriend and I had so many things going for me that really would have said, why don't you just stay home? And, uh, and all those things were really getting to me. And, but I'd also known that my entire life I'd wanted to serve a mission. And, uh, it was so special because as I was, I was just, I remember I was on my bed just crying and, and, and in despair, like I had no idea what to do. And, and who came walking in was my dad. And, um, he had been upstairs and had a very simple whisper and prompting to him to say, go talk to your son. And so he, he came downstairs and it was perfect timing. And, and he and I had a very intimate conversation that I won't share here on the podcast, but, but the result of, of that conversation and that experience, that very spiritual experience was to go, um, that I was to, I wanted, that I was going to go and that he and I were okay with that. And so I, I did, and I was able to serve uh, a beautiful and fun and powerful mission in, in Berlin, Germany, and uh, saw miracles happen. And uh, came home, and once I got home, I had about two year, uh, two months, was about to the day. I got home on December 23rd, 22nd, and he he died on February 23rd, just two months after I got home. And I, I can, I can say with complete assurance that, that he waited and that he, you know, he, he stayed healthy too. That was what God protected him so much. Like he never got sick, not once while I was gone. And that's often what takes, what takes men, what takes people with Lou Gehrig's diseases. They'll just get a common little cold and, and it, uh, it takes them. They get pneumonia because their body can't cough and they lose all the muscles. And I'll never forget that as well, obviously coming home and, I, he, he had driven me driven me down to the the missionary training center and co- totally capable you know could speak and and when I got home he was uh, completely paralyzed and uh, confined to a wheelchair and could barely he couldn't speak he could mumble and uh, we had this whiteboard where it had the alphabet on it and uh, and the alphabet. Uh, you you'd get the marker and, and you'd go across the alphabet and he would blink at the letter that he was needed to, like if he was trying to tell me a word, and uh, he would blink on that letter and then you'd write the letter down on the whiteboard and you'd spell out these words so that he could communicate. Because uh, technology back then just wasn't what it is now, so we had to do it manually. And uh, you know one of the one of the things that that my dad taught me. And it's, you know, kind of the purpose of me sharing this today is for my dad taught me this phrase and this, this principle, this truth that I will die with and uh, it'll never leave. And it's, he taught me that relationships matter most and service is, is how we do that. Service is how we make them matter. And I've lived by that. And many people ask me, you know, why do I do what I do? Why am I a therapist? And, and I give them other stories and I give them other, there, there are many other things that 
that that suggests like why, but this is truly why I'm a therapist is is because relationships matter most, and I have seen the ones that matter most be taken, and I've had to learn how to have a relationship with a dad who's no long, no longer here, and how hard that is. But I can tell you this: that when you find out someone's dying, and when when we are in our deathbed. As cliche as it sounds, it's cliche for a reason that we won't be thinking about the office, we won't be thinking about work, we'll be thinking about people. It's all, we are all that matter, right? Connection and relationships, it's all that matters. And it's so easy for us to get dis, to get distracted from that. I'll never forget when I, when my dad told me, um, when we found out that Saturday morning, I had had plans with my girlfriend and we, my mom had said, she'd suggested to me that I still go and I didn't want to, but she said, we, you should just go. And it was down in Park City. And so I was down in Park City and, and she was shopping with like her mom and everybody. And, and she was asking me, you know, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? And I'll never forget. And it's nothing against her. I remember, but just thinking like, this just doesn't matter. Like none of this matters. Like, I don't want this at all. I just want to be home. And and as a teenage boy, if you knew who I was back in those days, like me wanting to be home was not normal. It wasn't that I hated home. I just I just wanted to be away and, and doing things with friends like so many classic teenagers are. But after that, it was different. I just I knew what mattered and I'd been neglecting so many things. And and even right now, as I get, as I share this story, um, you know, I'm being inundated with little bit of prompts of like, yeah, this is where I've gotten away from it in this part of my life. And I could focus a little bit more here with this person in my life. And I hope you are too. You know, I hope you realize that life is short. I hope you realize that life is fragile as well, but life is supposed to be lived and loved and people are supposed to be loved. Um, and if you don't go experience it for yourself, the research with happiness, right? The research with addiction, it's all it's all the same. If you want to people that recover from addictions, it's because they they connect. It's all about connection, and they, the the research of happiness suggests that when people are happy, that's what creates success for them. It's not the other way around. Success doesn't create happiness. Happiness creates success. Happiness creates everything that you want. And what's the greatest source of happiness we have? It's right next to you. It's people. It's even total strangers. I'm, I love the airport. <laughs> if you want to have fun with me, go to the airport with me. I talk to everybody. I'm kind of that guy, you know. I am that guy that you might not want to sit next to on the airplane. But it's, it's, it's people that create joy. And, they're, and, and, and we have so much access because we're all with each other. And no wonder, no wonder that the temptation from Satan is to divide us and to make us think that all of us are, that we have to, that we have to, be special, that we have to be unique, that, that he wants to try to get us to be different from one another. And we're not. We're so similar. And uh, I hope this I hope this story isn't in vain. You know, I, I hope it inspires you. Um, if you're if you're someone considering going on a mission, I hope you choose to, because it'll change your life as minded and I don't regret a second of it. Um, and I also know that relationships they matter, right? They they matter they're everything and serving others is the way 
you show that. Uh, there is no greater way to, to free yourself of anxieties and depression and anger and resentment and so many things that we focus on. If we would just focus on service, those things would begin to melt away. So I hope this helps you and I hope it makes you start thinking about your life. And I hope it even if it needs to, I hope it makes you feel guilty. And I hope it calls you out in a, in a, in a loving way to, uh, to change, to change some things in your life, to align some things in your life that need to be aligned. And maybe even to inspire you to, to reconcile some relationships in your life that need to be reconciled. And because uh, don't wait, don't wait. Life's too short and you never know what can happen. Just as a reminder, we're, uh, we're, we're always looking for, for great couples to go on the Alaska, the Alaska trip with us here in, in, the, in the summer. And, uh, and on top of that, if, if you have any desire to learn how to think and to learn how to feel and to learn more and more of the foundational principles of your worth, check out our program on motiveacademy.com. If you want to buy it for somebody else, uh, you can email me and we can easily make that happen for you as a gift to gift it to somebody else. And uh, we'll make that happen. Have a great day, everyone. We'll talk to you again.